All right. So um, I want you to picture this, listeners. Uh, Beat and I are huddled around a microphone right now. Each of us independently. It's like we can have a milkshake and two straws <laughs> kind of close. And we're holding uh, individual uh, ear cups from headphones to our ears because I couldn't remember how to pair my earbuds to my laptop. So this is the only way that the both of us can listen to callers. Uh, and then also because we're tethered to each other by this headphone, we are, yeah, we're, it looks like we're about to share a long spaghetti noodle together. <laughs> With the headphone cord, it really With the does. headphone cord, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's three oh five. Let's let's maybe just get this officially off the ground then, eh? That um, great. Let me get my music queued up here, and we can go. Uh, hey, welcome back to When Bad Things Happen to Good People, a podcast about censorship and the arts. My name is Todd Sullivan. Joining me once again is Peter Raman. Hello. And today we are finishing our look at Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. the intro so brave new world brave new world 90 plus years old yeah and somehow still kind of relevant i in in some ways <laughs> i think more relevant than ever before yeah um hang on uh there we go well, what are you drinking there todd yeah so here's the thing i think i've said in the past that one of my or maybe my favorite um vodka soda beverage is a, a brand called verve and I've recently discovered that they've expanded their offerings into um, gin sodas. And Ooh. what I'm drinking today is tequila sodas. Nice. And um, because this one was on sale. And so I'm working my, this is like literally the first time I've had these. So I can, I'll be reporting oh, live right on. on my thoughts on these flavors. It's not, it's, we're not just talking books here. We're, we're not just talking books. We're, doing full we're reviewing, reviews. we're reviewing alcohol at the same time. Uh, books and booze. So, yeah, this is my first taste of the mango uh, tequila verve. Here we go. Okay. First sip. Oh, that's really good, actually. Okay. Tasting notes. Um, tequila is really subtle. The mango is very um, forward early on and then fades nicely. Um, I like this. See, I've been doing this backwards, too, because of all the flavors, I wanted to start with the one I was least expecting to like. So I'm going from mango to pineapple to salted lime to grapefruit, which is the one I think I will like the best. Okay. But already I'm liking this more than I was anticipating. So, Well, that's great. So Verve, if you're listening. We're still begging for a um, case. Yeah. Yeah, loops. Okay. So let's talk about the book now. Yes. So Brave New World still is banned uh, in some places. Yeah. I meant yeah. to look up sort of what it was um, banned for. I, I mean... You know, off the top of my head, when we think of some of the reasons why this book would be banned, um, I think, you know, one of the, the ones that would really do it for, you know, kind of the Christian community, right, is the the switch out of religion, right? The the Fordism and, and taking the place of religion, as right. well as, I mean, the sexuality of it, even though it's not, you know, like 
as forward focused in the book. Uh, it it really is from a societal societal perspective. Right? Yeah. So one of the notes here is that it is um, one of the factors is the society's acceptance of promiscuous sex. Yeah. And the, and the childhood nature of it too, I think really would compound. That's that. true. That's true. Plus the drug use. Um, oh, and, and suicide. I mean, I guess he kills himself at the end, but it's not like they're promoting suicide in a brave new world, but I guess maybe they just don't want kids being aware of suicide or thinking about suicide maybe, or, or it being an option to escape an oppressive yeah, culture. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, it's, it, to me, it's interesting that the, the sexual, the sexual promiscuity comes up because I guess it is the promiscuity element rather than a, you know, any sort of explicit sex talk because there really isn't any. Yeah. There's nothing really graphic sexually in the book at all, but the notion of it, right. When, when we think of, people that want to protect the family unit and that kind of thing, right? Wild promiscuity is not really, you know, typically thought of as something that will strengthen the family unit, right? So I can see as far as kind of the, the conservative side of the Well, other. and in, in the in this world too, the, the family unit has essentially been erased, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, certainly more so now than maybe 30 years ago or Well, no, I mean in, in the, the book. In the, time, in the book, yeah. that like there's no family oh, unit yes, to speak yes. of, right? Yeah. You're it's, like you're shamed for spending in too much taboo. time with exactly it doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Kids, you know, you don't have two, you know, two point five kids there's and no, a dog no because there's, there's really just hatchlings. There's hatchlings, exactly. <laughs> there's de- decanted, decanted, uh, fine vintage humans, Yes, <laughs> yes, and they they do use the word vintage, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. a vintage of humans. So yeah, I mean, I I think there's you know a few different things that are not ideal that you know this book really promotes um you know i think the fact that it it's it's kind of more that look at you know utopia gone wrong maybe doesn't save it from people wanting to to ban it or to you know suppress some of those ideas right i mean the 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 drugs promiscuity the the religious kind of uh, setback of it all um and then linking sex uh to religion as well mm-hmm. uh with the um the the ceremonies there or the orgy yeah the orgy orgy yeah. yeah yeah uh you know that that also probably i guess but again though it's none of these things are painted in a good light either like no one is ultimately no you know, and especially like in a in a guided environment, like a classroom where you would read this, you're not going to come away. Hopefully, if your teacher's doing a decent job, thinking "rah rah," this brave new world sounds great. Yeah, it does have elements of sounding great, but but I think you know the message is that it's not. And so the message that the book is selling is that promiscuous sex and drug use and all those things are bad for you. Yeah, or bad for the soul, right? I mean, when when we get to kind of more the end of the book and talking about, you know, the cost of happiness and all that kind of stuff and and how they got to this society, right, through experimentation and and kind of kind of careful planning yeah. to get this society of, you know, all your needs are met and, you know, everything seems fun, but you're really just a soulless kind of automaton. Um, you know, that I think is you know, one of the things that really puts all the other stuff to shame, you know, like it may sound good, but you know, really if you have no soul or humanity or art or passion, right. What's the point of, you know, all the fun of sex and drugs yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah, yeah. You know, the feelies and the scent organs and all yeah, of that. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean, it, it really definitely, um, you know, calls out it as dystopia rather yeah. than utopia, right? In the end, though, but there, there's quite a buildup, you know, especially when we're looking at the first half of the book where it really presents this world as 
this is the solution. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so we get that kind of and there, taste first. Right? There are elements to it that I think you can look at and say, you know, that's maybe not an entirely terrible idea. You know, if you're being honest, like some of the sound... I mean, cologne taps, I think, you know, that cologne taps, I think we're all on board with that. Yeah. I think think everybody that read that. As long as you remember to like, you know, turn turn it off at the end. You would want an auto off. You would want an auto off for the cologne tap. Otherwise, you know, you're going to cost, it's going to cost you a fortune. Uh, But no, the idea of being able to kind of um, produce babies based on what the projected workforce needs are going to be <laughs> like yeah it, it when you say it it sounds a little bit dystopian but if you just take a one little step back it you can see the benefits you know what i mean like yeah you know, and maybe that's th- i think that's kind of a an age-old question maybe that's or, how hitler started it's yeah. just like i know it sounds bad but you can see the benefits right yeah. from, i mean from <laughs> I a know. like a work organization from from the you know most efficient usage of the limited resources that we have as a society right it you know it definitely makes sense right yeah. and and when you when you look at how they arrived at this world um it makes sense that they would kind of arrange it that way because it's, it's the best way to allocate your, your people to keeping the engine of commerce and society running. But, you know, we, we keep running up against the argument of what's the cost of it. Right. I mean, there's nobody really has, uh, has a heart anymore. Yeah. Thing. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's elements there where you look at it on paper and go, yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's super efficient. It's going to keep things you know running and we're going to avoid wars and plagues and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it, it does, it does make sense. And I think that's the slippery slope though, of how these kinds of ideas. Perhaps. Oh yeah, exactly. Started, exactly. Right? Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think when we get to the end of the book, right? Like that's part of the, uh, the thesis of the, of the book is that, yeah, this may start out good or sound good to an extent, but once you, once you get into it, you realize just how hollow it is. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I, I definitely think there's an interesting conversation to be had there, uh, especially with uh, students. Um, yeah. The, the push and pull. Cause I think I don't personally, I don't think I'm on the side of either of the extremes in a brave new world. And I think there's maybe, a happy medium to be found there where like, Hey, let's maybe have a little more drug use and a little bit more promiscuous sex, but let's not go too far with all that. Right. Like, yeah. Well, not as the point of keeping people distracted um, from any major emotion or anything. Right. I mean, the, the point of the drug mm, use yeah, and, I guess, and yeah. the sex are really to, not numb people per se, but to keep them completely fully occupied and um, stimulated for, you know, basically their whole lives without having the time to have kind of thoughts of their own. Right. I mean, that's, that's the the purpose. It's, it's a giant distraction, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, not so much for enjoyment or for, uh, you know, taking a, you know, a, a vacation from a, a hard work or from, from problems that you have in life, it's keep you distracted from, you know, the fact that you really don't have a life. So I agree that, you know, if we're, if we're looking at a happy medium, you want to maybe be able to enjoy some of this stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and not have it as just like this complete distraction where, um, it, you know, you don't even realize that you're, you're basically a robot right but given though too that i mean there are people in society today who are using 
drugs and sex in those ways as a way of sort of obliterating the the void they find in themselves or or whatever. So, I mean, I don't know that that's ever anything we'd be able to entirely get rid of either. Well, I think, you know, not having the, the lack of any passion or, or anything else could be helpful there, right? I mean, if people are, um, you know, using these things to escape, right, then I think that that implies that there is, um, you know, passion and um, and suffering as well, um, but ranges of emotion, right? So there is something there that, um, you know, is is feeling and heart and, and related more to humanity. Um, so, you know, as far as the, the happy medium kind of thing goes, um, you know, having a society that has those swings of temperament, I think is very important to that. And, um, obviously you can go too far one way or another, and you can, you know, obviously use, use drugs and alcohol and sex and all sorts of things to try and escape all your problems. Um, but the fact that you have problems to escape to begin with, right. And that there are other avenues to, uh, to explore, um, you know, the, the kind of the other way, uh, mm-hmm. going the other way with that, I think is, is the key there to, to kind of meeting halfway. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, I think that's that's an interesting conversation to be had in a, in a in a classroom environment, you know, with you know the next generation of of thinkers yeah. and and whatnot. Well, and they're they're you know typically students are kind of developing uh, you know these types of problems. That right? You want yeah, to they are seeking from. out you know maybe some uh, yeah. some sex and some drugs and that sort of thing. Well, and also the drama of life, right, really starts to begin as you're yeah. as you're a student, right, with your first uh, boyfriends and girlfriends and all that kind of stuff and real world problems of yeah, for know, sure now you're driving a car or maybe you have a part-time you know, job yeah, working uh, you're getting into the workforce all that kind of stuff right yeah. so yeah examining this kind of uh, you know spectrum or far ends of the spectrum can can definitely be something useful i think right but yeah it has to be kind of couched in that light of hey this is this is kind of a, an example of what happens when you go all the way to one end or the other of the, yeah. of the spectrum right yeah. so so, I mean, from my perspective, I don't, I don't see this as being a book worthy of banning in, in schools, at least, um, obviously not intended for every grade, I think. Yeah. This isn't a grade two, uh, no. p- pleasure read, uh, no. you know, you want to, you want to have uh, a little bit of age and experience under your belt before you try and tackle this. And yeah. Some, I would say, subjects you know, 10th grade and up maybe yeah. ninth. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, as far as banning it, I, I think we can definitely understand how certain factions out there would, would really want to be um, not oh, having yeah, those yeah, ideas yeah, yeah. out there. But I think, like you said, for, for the average kind of well-adjusted student who, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, is, is experimenting in the world, you know, this is something that I think would be good to, uh, to look at, right? You get to see a few different um, viewpoints of this future state, right? Both, both kind of that savage world uh, of kind of that more regressive kind of um, supernatural, not really evolved culture, as well as the, you know, quote unquote, evolved brave new world culture where there really isn't, you know, like we said, family units or, you know, anything really to society. There's no art, there's no um, passion. It's just good times all the way. Right. Yeah. Um, And 
looking at that as far as how you're you're developing as a as a child or, or a student and going hey where, where do i want to be and you know are there other options out there right because i most likely right most people would re- would read this and go i don't want to be at kind of either end of the yeah you know exactly spectrum, yeah right? yeah and it's I, I do think that you know again i think we, we talked about this before um you know compared to 1984 which is the book that this is sort of i think most commonly compared to mm. we're definitely further down the path towards um brave new world's vision of the future than 1984's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, i mean yeah i think uh we're seeing from the surveillance culture uh you know there's definitely aspects of that but the not abandoned per se but the the especially in canada with you know, we've now legalized marijuana. Yep. They're, they're pushing for, for mushrooms and other things, right? You know, we're all we're, staring at our phones almost constantly. That's right. Being so we, we are definitely down the the kind of losing our heart and giving into stimulus and, and sex and things like that. Um, uh, more so definitely than real harsh, um, you know, uh, big brothers watching to yeah. the world for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think reading this book in high school um, would definitely get you thinking a lot more about that, about, you know, we talked, I think earlier a little bit about some of the technology, maybe not being there for the, the human biology aspects of this, Mm -hmm. but you know, we definitely see things as far as virtual reality and, and, you know, haptic movies and, you know, the, the sense, the the scent organs and things like that, you know, like we're, we're definitely in the realm of possibility for some of that technology. Right. So, um, you know, this should get you thinking really about, yeah, like where, where are we going as a society, as far as, you know, this, this kind of promiscuity and drugs and kind of technology that's really just designed to stimulate to no other end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, just want to say hello to Rocky Raccoon, who has uh, joined us here in the live room. We are chatting about um, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Welcome to give us a ring if you want to talk about it or just throw your thoughts in the chat. That's uh, all good. Thanks for being here. Right on. Welcome. Um, so what are your thoughts on the the book itself like just as far as uh you know how would you rate it how would you review it yeah i mean i know last time we talked about kind of where we wanted to rate this book i, I think you rated it a little higher than than i did i was kind of more in that three out of five cologne taps uh <laughs> realm uh for it i i mean i think you know this book had had me thinking it was going in a much different place early on and not that I'm necessarily disappointed as far as where it ended up at the end, but um, I think there is a lot of threads and a lot of um, kind of potential avenues where this thing could have gone um, that would have maybe been more interesting uh, ultimately as far as that play of, uh, you know, utopia versus dystopia and what the cost is. But um I think it was was interesting in kind of a fractured sense where, you know, we get this, it starts out with world building, then we move into this kind of conversation piece, then we move into the, uh, you know, savage lands, and we get these flashbacks of John's life. And, you know, it's, it's kind of all over the place in a sense. And mm. I know we, we talked previously about it being difficult to pin down a main character and that, the, yeah. you know, the society yeah. itself, the world was, was really more the main character as far as how it acted upon all of the characters that we saw. Um, and so I think for me, right. Not being clear up front that 
you know, that's really what we're examining, even though the title is Brave New World. <laughs> uh, so maybe shame on me there. But, uh, you know, I think my expectations of, you know, really trying to follow more of a character interacting with right. the world. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what their response to the yeah. situation would be. Um, on more of a one-to-one ratio rather than we see a little bit of what happens to Bernard. We see, you know, ultimately what happens to John yeah. uh, with Helmholtz, that kind of thing. Um, and even, you know, the world controller perspective, um, you know, we do get a good variety of, uh, of interaction with, with the, with the character of the world. Yeah. Um, but I, I think my expectation was more, um, the, the commentary to steer in, in how to overcome. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. End, right. Whereas, right. you know, the commentary really ended with, um, you know, it, as a warning in a sense, yeah. I'm going, you know, if you go down this route, this is the cost and this is what happens. Yeah. Right. Um, rather than, a not caught, you know, not a way to get out of it or, a, you know, how do you rebel? How do you take the system down kind of thing, which I, I, think maybe we're more used to these days and maybe I just had more of that expectation. Right. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I still think it's, you know, really well written, very interesting perspective. Um, and definitely the, the use of a lot of different form. I know you didn't like that as much. I didn't. Well, it's kind of grown on me as it. Yeah. In the sense that it's, you know, you kind of get a lot of different styles of writing and conversation and, uh, and kind of views of different things within, within the book that, you know, kind of are almost a non sequitur in a sense, right? Like we, we definitely see that, uh, you know, we have that conversation in chapter three or four, uh, I can't remember which one exactly, but you know, it was definitely kind of out of left field for the first few chapters of the book. Right. The you one know, where like yeah, it connects these it three different keeps, conversations yeah, together. And, and, and I, I quite liked that one yeah. actually. But it, it, it definitely was uh, a change in pace and flow of the book yeah. um, that was kind of out of left field, to be honest. Um, and then, you know, we see other points in the book where there's these changes in, in how the narrative or, or almost the writing style happens, right, from chapter to chapter. Um, and at first I was kind of like, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I, I do like that in the sense that it, it does... Um, if we're, if we're just taking brave new world as the char- main character of the book, it definitely, I think helps point, uh, in that direction to have those changes of the form where it's, you know, different perspectives of different characters looking at this world or, or, you know, how they interact with the world, right? We see kind of some stuff from Lenina's perspective in, in one sense, you know, from John's and it, we kind of get all these different views of, of this society, of this world. Yeah. And, but none of them are a particularly good POV character for us, I don't think, because no, the ones just glimpses. Yeah, the, the ones who live in the society now are used to the society, and I think John is like compared to us a bit more savage than we are. And I hesitate to use that word, but it's just that's the way they describe him. Mm-hmm. But it, it feels like he's maybe was meant to be more the POV character at the time in like 1930, mm-hmm. whatever. He would have been closer to what society was like then, and since you know, we're closer to that world now with the, you know, the legalized marijuana and everything else. I don't think that we get a very solid um, POV character. Hey to coal mine in the chat or the, uh, in the audience there. Welcome. Hello, hello. Yeah. I, I think I rated it about 3.5 cologne taps. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely has to be out of cologne taps. That yeah. Was, that was yeah, the, I, the key, the key invention no on that. from the book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only real style issue I had with it was where I felt his writing was weirdly fragmented. He broke his sentences up a lot in a way that right, I found yeah. really distracting. Yeah. 
Um, but I mean, using the word sententiously, right? I mean, I mean, points <laughs> for that for sure. <laughs> like, but it, you know, it, it's definitely uh, interesting, right? Because he he used that I think several times yeah. to break up kind of the same train of thought. And I did very much like the bit where. Um, uh, Lenina's action <laughs> accidentally led someone to die of something. That's right. Thirty yeah. years later, it was like a comedic. Like, that was a great family aside. guy yeah. aside, right? Like, <laughs> and twenty-two years later, and it was eight days or whatever right? it was. Yeah, it, and it was what I loved about it is he had done nothing like that in the book up to that point, yeah, and did nothing like that after that point. Yeah. It was just this one single moment that just stood out as something that was really funny. And really out of the blue. Yeah. I mean, it, it tied into, you know, pro- oh, it did. proving out how distracted she was and, you know, her hots for John and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was, it was just this hilarious little moment of levity in the, in the book. <laughs> I guess, well, if we, if we take someone dying in the future as levity, I guess. I guess. In the context. It's it, all. It was sure amusing. They're all fictional people anyway, so yeah, yeah. no harm done. Yeah. No, very, very interesting um, kind of switch ups. I mean, that, that was, I think, a lot of the book from chapter to chapter was there was, you know, just kind of a change in, in style, right? There was a, yeah. a few instances where um, there was a bit of form in the sense of, you know, a chapter would start with some descriptive kind of um, world building uh, type writing and then move into kind of the more conversational kind of character piece that happened a few different times throughout the book. But other than that, I mean, chapter to chapter, things kind of changed and, and even the style of how, um, the world was described kind of changed a little bit uh, from time to time. Right? Well, so, to a sense, I think we're, yeah. it's because we're shifting from character to yeah, character too. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it definitely gives the book a bit of a disjointed feeling, but, you know, like I said, it it then helps us tie it to these br- brief glimpses that we have from each character of, right. of, of how they see the world. So, yeah, I mean, I, I still think, you know, I would probably picture a different different ending, and I know we we tried to guess at the ending. I think at the first after we did, yeah, we were we we, we both were kind of on the same page, and we were both completely wrong. That's right. Yeah, we 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 really didn't see uh, the savage hanging himself at the end. I mean, we hadn't even met him yet. We hadn't even met him yet. No, that's true. Yet at at that point, so yeah, very interesting. Where uh, you know the book kind of finishes. With a character that you know, halfway through, we, yeah. we don't even really, we're just meeting him. I think it was chapter six or seven, right? Where we did our first break. And that's yeah. where we first were introduced to John as even a, a character at all. Right. So yeah, it's, it's disjointed in a sense, but I think that works for it. Yeah. Uh, as far as all these different styles. Right. I feel like you should be the one giving it a 3.5 and I should be the one giving <laughs> it a I've talked it up. We've, yeah. we've switched perspectives. <laughs> I'm really digging on how fractured it is and yeah. the, the incongruity yeah. how, it, yeah. how it lends itself. I just feel like I'm it. hacking on it more than you are. So, But I'm not gonna, right. I'm not willing to go 2.5 on it. So maybe I'll... No, well, maybe I'll add a bit of a cologne tap to maybe half a cologne <laughs> tap to my rating and I can give it a 3.5. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think that that, uh, that variety works. Uh, that variety of... of form works for for the books and variety of voices yeah yeah yeah. so yeah we're talking about uh brave new world if anybody wants to give us a call and join in the chat uh you've had 90 some years to read it so yeah (laughs) yeah took me no uh uh, we're we're talking spoilers here today too so yeah 90 plus years is is spoiler free territory you can just go nuts with the spoilers yeah um well so what do you what you know, getting back into, you know, where we thought the book was going to go and where it ended up. Yeah. What did you think about the ending as far as, you know, John um, 
either doing or thinking or, you know, whatever he did in the, the kind of riotous kind of, um, you know, Soma fueled the state at the end and, and then choosing to kill himself yeah. as either remedy or escape or, or whatever. What's your, what's your take on that as far as the way to end this? And I think maybe that's where, you know, I said when we had finished the, you know, finished the book and, and did that episode, I said, I wasn't really sure if I understood what the point of the book was. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be where that came from is this, because it seems like a book like that normally is either going to say, you know, this new world has problems, but it's, it's ultimately better or this new world has problems and it's clearly worse than mm-hmm. the old world. Um, but the way it ended with uh, with John sort of literally twisting in the wind, but not just that, but what led to him there, like his, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine for him to go and get himself out of that world and, you know, hide in the woods or whatever. But like once he gets back into the weird religious stuff and self-flagellation and then going through this weird religious fervor thing when all the people show up with their orgy porgy and mm-hmm. um, what's her name's there. You know, it seems to be saying that the old ways don't really work either. Yeah. And, and so it, it, you get to the end and you're just sort of like, wow, I guess we're fucked no matter what is, is what it feels like the messages at the end. So, um, I mean, I'm okay with it as an ending, because I think ultimately it's saying that like, well, I shouldn't say, I think that's what it's saying, but my takeaway is just that, you know, the world is at a state where John just isn't able to survive it, even on the fringes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he can't, even as he tries, he can't get away from the brave new world. Well, yeah. I mean, he can't, I guess he can't choose to go back or, or maybe that, that isn't an option he's willing to do. And but, maybe, but he also can't seem to live yeah. in this new world either. And, you know, not having a place for him at, you know, because this book is about extreme ends of the spectrum, right? You're yeah. either a, you know, a, a dirt digging savage kind of, you know, got Jesus and Poon Kong or whatever <laughs> the other deity was, uh, you know, on, on kind of two totems. And then the other end is this religiousless, um, you know, kind of stimulated uh, consumer boy city. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, the fact that there's just, extremes to choose from right i think for a lot of people maybe can identify with that that's not really a choice right yeah. that there has to be some other way out or or you know if you can't wrap your mind around that or don't want to live in that that uh that's where you get into the maybe you'll end up twisting in the wind at the end because i i just can't make that choice yeah. of uh you know those extremes and it could also be the idea that you know once once John was infected by the society, once he was infected by this new world, there was no escape that if they had just left him where he was. Yeah. But even his solitude, he was, he's starting to crack a little bit, right. You know, when he, when he thinks of Lenina, you know, which those thoughts, I don't think were ever going to go away. Right. He would have been, I think always trapped in that. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, I guess, I mean, as soon as he had contact with them. Yeah. 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 Um, but even if he never had, right he still had a part of that world in his upbringing, right? I mean, uh, Linda did try and condition him some. Yeah, no, that's true too. That um, is true. So too. He, he had some of 
some preparation at least uh, to meet this world. But I think, yeah, the, I don't know that I would re- say it's preparation because some, most of some, I'm no, not saying he's well prepared. But, but, but most of the prep he got was so out of context that he wouldn't, that have, wouldn't have mattered. At you all. know, but I, I, I mean, mean, if he'd wandered into like whatever that the instruction manual that he'd read. Maybe he would have been able to go, oh, wow. Yeah, he could have just I started fertilizing this. some eggs and decanting them. <laughs> exactly. This is the one thing I understand about this society. I've read the manual on this. I've read the manual on this. <laughs> I think, though, the Shakespearean kind of world as well, though, sets up certain, uh, you know, kind of morality or, or a way of thinking or, or looking at uh, relationships. Right? Yeah. And if that's all he had ever dealt with. And a, and a right? desire for a certain way of life. Cause I yeah. think he thinks himself of himself as sort of like that. Well, and that he was hero. Ne- or... He was never fully accepted uh, in yes, kind of right. the savage world. Right. He was always an outsider. He, he couldn't even go through there, uh, you know, becoming a man or, you know, the, the, the rituals Yet he went and did his own rituals uh, to kind of become a man or to follow that that religion. So he he definitely thinks of himself, uh, as he said, as kind of as the hero or um, as this kind of champion um, or, you know, a leading character in a Shakespearean play, in a sense. Um, and yeah, I, I think that. Oh, thank you very much. I just got another another <laughs> beverage uh, on the way here, so things are going to really start cranking. Why is up for once? So I thought it'd be rude of me not to bring one back. Yeah, well, thanks, appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that uh, John's difference from these two extremes because he was always um, kind of that middle ground in a sense. Right? Yes. He, you know, he saw a little bit of the, you know, his, his mom had the parade of, of men through, <laughs> through the house when he was young and, you know, got some of that conditioning and he could see what was happening in the streets of, uh, of the town where, he, where he lived as far as how that culture worked. Uh, and then he had this, this refuge of these words from Shakespeare in this, you know, this Victorian era, uh, you know, kind of world that was really based on kind of morality and and things that he didn't see anywhere else. Right. So he he was this kind of odd middle ground to begin with the the whole time. And then I think getting to the end there, that's what really um, maybe makes more sense that he, you know, committed suicide because he he really couldn't choose either of the, at that point, yeah, it just didn't make any sense to him because he was so, I want to say centrist, but that's maybe not the, <laughs> not the really the right word in this yeah. case. But just so outside of the bounds of either end of uh, end of the spectrum there that he was looking at from society's point. Okay, oh, pineapple's a know, letdown. Pineapple's a letdown. Eh? Pineapple is a letdown. Gave her. You got to step. It up might on just the be. I don't pineapple flavor. I mean, it's, it's a good pineapple. I don't always love pineapple flavor, but it's a good pineapple. But I just don't dig the way it works with the. Tequila. Yeah. Need more of a lime or something citrusy. Right yeah, that's there. why I was thinking the salted lime mm-hmm. is going to be good and why the grapefruit's probably going to be good. But, yeah. yeah. Well, do we got any comments there uh, from any listeners? We've, we've been proud. We've lost all our listeners now. We bored them, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, that that usually happens. <laughs> I I'm not going to take that as an affront. No, d- please don't. <laughs> um, th- there was a different topic I wanted to just bring up quickly because it is sort of in our wheelhouse and it's it was news. Uh, I think maybe last week or the week before recently. And it was this bit of a controversy over um, some changes being made to some of Roald Dahl's books. Roald mm. Dahl is uh, probably best known as the author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. Uh, and Charlie James and the Great. And the best, 
Peach. I Elevator think. James and the Giant Peach as well. Um, what else? He's got another one there. That's another. Is it the BFG or yeah, I think, I think something that's like him that as well? You know, the big friendly giant. Yeah. So what it is is, and I went to I wanted to Google it because I don't know if it's his publishers or somebody else, but someone is going through some of his older books and they're just rewriting it a little bit. Changing oh, a changing word here and there. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. And it's it stirred up a lot of controversy over what rights a dead author has to yeah. his work. One, well, and, and what reason that a publishing company or whoever it was might want to try and retcon it anyway, right? I mean, yeah, I, and what it is. I, one is, of the things that I like just to kind of go on the same track a little bit, you know, with like Mark Twain and, you know, some of that type mm-hmm. of, of writing, reading it now is like, we're talking about uh, from a discussion point for a student or something like that. Right. When you see that, um, how it was back in, in the day, I mean, and I think you need that understanding of the fact that it was written in a different time or something, Yeah, like totally. That. but things that are problematic, you get to, you know, break them down and examine them and, and ask those questions of, you know, why they're problematic and why don't we say that now? And, you know, why were the times different? What was the the prevailing thought at the time? Right. So I think changing them, you know, I, I just, I have a big problem with it, right. As far as trying to correct the, the sins of the past and republish and take things out and change. It yeah. And I just, I, I, just to just to you know, because I mean, I'm, I'm generally in agreement yeah. with you, but just to play devil's advocate a little bit, I think yeah. compared to Mark Twain as an example, although even his, I think, are sometimes in like Huckleberry Finn and things yeah. like that, which are not necessarily intended for young readers, but they're young reader friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to say might be different with, about Roald Dahl is that he did mostly write for children, yeah. and that's a different audience, and I think it's it can be harder to get them to understand the difference in what it was like then and what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you that. I'll give you that, that um, especially if you're from a family where that's not a topic of conversation, or, right. or maybe not even open for discussion, that it might be challenging to look at it from an outside perspective or or to understand that it's yeah something that is not really acceptable anymore, that it's out of the norm. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Although one of the, when I thought this was, one of the takes I read on Twitter that I thought was a colossally bad take uh, came from uh, Joyce Carol Oates, who's another, she's an author, who I quite appreciate, but I might have to like stop following her on Twitter because <laughs> she's got some very bad Twitter takes. But she made a comment, and I don't remember exactly who the author was, but I think it was comparing, for example, um, like Agatha Christie to another maybe Mark Twain or someone like that and sort of talking about how it, it made more sense to modify the words of someone like Agatha Christie, who was maybe she was better known for the mysteries and not so much being a fine wordsmith. And then somebody else who is known as being a wordsmith, maybe their words are more sacrosanct, more, va- more valuable. valuable and that in. struck me as really odd that like anybody should gatekeep, whether an author's words are valuable, right? I think yeah. anybody There's who too writes much subjectivity, there, right? right? Exactly. Where, who draws the line? Who who considers what is right? What exactly. Is, you know, who gets to versus who gets to make that bad. decision? Yeah. Um, and I think you know, obviously, you know, the Dr. Seuss publishers did something similar a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. although they didn't. Well, they just stopped. They printing. just stopped printing yeah. them, and I think. Which is a better choice. It's a better choice between if the you're two. Worried about it, yeah. and I think the problem here is they they were changing. In the, again, in the case of Dr. Seuss, I say again way too much, 
Um, well, you know, I say, you know, too much. So. <laughs> um, those are books that already weren't selling very well. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's easy for them to say, let's just stop publishing yeah. because it's ultimately not worth it. These are changes are to his better known works, which I can now see also include um, Matilda. Yes. Yeah. And the fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, wow. Um, all which have been, I think Matilda was just recently made into a musical. Yeah. Um, and these are changes in some of his better known books. So they're going to be things that are still in publication mm-hmm. and things that are still potentially looked at or read in a classroom or, you know, in a school yeah. setting as well. Right. Yeah. And it really, I, I'm, I'm opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as, you know, I, I do just play devil's advocate about the children's side of things. I still think it's either you leave it as is with some kind of reference to help understand the context or you just stop publishing entirely. Yeah. Cause I know, you know, editors and publishers have the option when they first take on a book to send it back to the author and say, you know what, we don't like this, 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 and this. And then the author has that chance to make those revisions or to say, fuck so you, you and, I'm going somewhere else, and go right? somewhere else. And, and what you're doing here is just, it's after the author's dead. The author doesn't have a chance to approve it. Mm. Um, and it, it just, it seems yucky to me. You know? Well, it's, I mean, to, to take it to an extreme. I mean, it's, it's an attack on art uh, and free speech in a sense, right? I mean, you have uh, a work that was created in a certain time to express a certain uh, emotion or story or, yep. or, or you know, um, some kind of point, right? Whether it's, you know, lighthearted or more serious or what have you, um, to mess with the the flow of that or to the integrity almost by making little changes here and there to make it more palatable or more acceptable. Um, you know, the, the point I think of art in a lot of cases is to take the, the good with the bad, right? To, yeah. to, you know, there's no masterpiece out there that isn't without its flaws or imperfections or, or what have you. Right. And so I think someone else taking on the mantle of, um, like you said, gatekeeper or, you know, judge or arbiter of taste or what's acceptable or what's not problematic. Uh, it flies in the face of, I think, what art is in yeah. general. You know, would we, would we let somebody like say there's a, a, a painting out there that happens to have um, the, the World Trade Center towers in the background and somebody says, well, that's, that's hurtful to people who lost family mm-hmm. in that, that tragedy. Do we then paint over that like why is this okay to do with literature when we literally don't do it with any other art form yeah. except you know radio edits of songs with cuss words in them but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but even then i mean that's the artist's decision right yeah, like it's yeah. not we're changing and, it after the fact yeah and, and, and in that sense we're not really altering it so much as you know briefly removing it in a certain context or right small children uh but yeah i mean i i don't i don't really get the push for change of art, right? I mean, if something is an affront or there's a problem with it, as we've already, I think, kind of said on, on this episode, that is the opportunity for discussion, right? That's, and you know, that's part of what art is all about, right? Making something that people are going to talk about and, and ask questions, whether they're, you know, very deep and and meaningful or, or whether they're lighthearted, right. To ask questions, to elicit emotion, to, um, you know, have that discussion. So trying to eliminate problems or change things so that, you know, there's less maybe points for discussion, um, within it is, I just, I think counterintuitive to art and, 
you know, if I was a, a writer or, uh, you know, someone, a published author, I'd be, you know, kind of not very happy with this, especially being kind of accepted, pardon me, by, by certain people out there as like, yeah, this, this is, this is the way to go. Um, you know, I think it smacks in the face of all artists everywhere. So, yeah. 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 Not cool. Not cool guys. Don't do it. Don't retcon literature. Um, so that's about all I have. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like this book. Um, and I didn't like this book, Yeah, <laughs> you know, at time. And I think our discussion earlier about the rating kind of got me back more in the camp of, you know, I definitely liked it more than I disliked it. Yeah. Yeah. That I liked it, but it, it definitely doesn't have a satisfying conclusion and not mm-hmm. that there's anything wrong with that as we're just talking about the imperfections in art and that kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. Let's just rewrite the ending, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it definitely, you know, that ending I think is there, uh, to make us ask these questions about, you know, dealing with extremes, dealing with utopia, dystopia, um, regressive kind of savage uh, kind of living versus uh, quote unquote, uh, you know, elevated uh, luxurious living. Um, And where, where would you make your choice? Um, I I think that is kind of the, the question and the central theme around the book, right. Is, given the choice, would you move to one extreme or the other, or would you, you know, and that's kind of making the third choice as John did is to just leave, <laughs> not do any of it. it or not, not make the choice. Yeah. You can't sense, make right? me, can't make me do it. I'm not gonna, I, I can't go fully, you know, a hundred percent down this road or, or regress down, down the other path. Right. So um, I think as, as a discussion point and as the, the question of the book, uh, about choosing between extremes or, you know, or ending it. Um, I think, I think that's an interesting point for discussion. Um, you know, it's, you got to really kind of search yourself, right. Of, you know, what you're comfortable with giving up or what you wouldn't give up and, um, you know, where you draw the line, what, you know, do you have this, uh, moral quality that, uh, you know, would really prevent you from, moving one extreme to the other, or, um, you know, are you someone that can get along and you know what, you know, the, even though I have to think, or there's no art, uh, you know, the sex and drugs sounds pretty darn good to me. Right. You know, yeah, sign, exactly. Sign me up. I'll be at the next feelings. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to try this out for a while. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think, I think that that is, um, you know, the, a great kind of thing to just think about on a, on a constant basis. Right. Yeah. Is, you know, where, where would you, go what would you do how would you resolve that situation so i'm asking you todd what what would you do if i found myself in that yeah. world or yeah um i mean just as you said i'd probably i don't know um i think it, it would it would seem fun at first um but as a creative person i think it's not going to be long until uh, uh, at the very best I get a conversation about going to an island somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to uh, either be soul crushing fairly quickly after a while. Well, but here, you know what? Want I want to escape. I've done some time at some soul crushing creative jobs. <laughs> and I think maybe in the right scenario, I could maybe see myself, you know, writing propaganda for the city. If it means I get some Soma and, and, and sex, mm. Soma and sex. Soma and sex. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see. I think I would try to make the most of it. I, I get that. And I think, I think that's, you know, how John 
thinks of it at first. Yeah. Right. And I think that's kind of the problem when you start to follow that track of going, yeah, I might give it a go and see how it works out. And, you know, I, I've thought myself a little bit about this, this kind of decision. Like, I don't think I would take the, you know, the easy way out of, of suicide in, in that sense. No, right? I don't think I would. You know, I think I would probably maybe fight against the system or, or try and wind up on an island kind of thing. But I do think that from a, you know, perspective of how long I would last if I just gave it a go and, you know, just went after the, the, the Soma and sex and all that kind of stuff is I, I don't think it would be very long. I think, you know, that that's the kind of stuff where, you know, in the book, they have to do the, the, you know, violent, uh, passion substitute, right. They have to do that once a month. Yeah. Right. You know, so that, that's, I think kind of gives you a bit of an idea of if you're going to survive this, this but you know what, we even have those things now, like you can go and like pay 20 bucks to go and like smash up a room of true fair enough. glass and monitors and but I, I as far as trying to map out a timeline of how long you could kind of last in that world without you know anything to you know especially as an artist right without anything to yeah to yeah that's the you, biggest thing yeah uh in in that sense from uh i you know we're, we're talking about just months right yeah. and and that for John was, you know, he was living on his own, not, e- not even a month, I think, uh, before everything went down. Right. So I, I think for myself, I would probably be in that same boat of maybe, you know, not wanting to kill myself per se, but of wanting to make change or get out or do something yeah. uh, to kind of fight against. Become uh, an underground freedom yeah, fighter. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Lead the revolution and write poetry. Have and... Everyone, throw everyone so out the window. Or, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that was the book. That was the um, book. This is uh, this is the first book that we've covered together. Yeah, third episode for you uh, as podcast host. Yeah, how are you enjoying it so far? I'm liking it a lot, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun to to you know not only read these books and and figure out kind of well would I ban these or why are they banned? They're not that bad. Yeah. Um, but also to to just talk about them with you, Todd. I've I've enjoyed that, and you know, I think we both get some different perspectives that we might not which is good yeah for sure ever thought about yeah totally in in terms of uh, reading through these books and um you know i I hope you're excited to continue on the journey into a few other books with me i am and Um, speaking of which i guess we can announce what our what our next book is going to be yeah you want to go ahead uh so we're do i say richard bachman or stephen king that's the tricky part yeah so yeah richard bachman technically we're we're writing stephen king as richard yeah Yeah. technically we're reading richard bachman's rage um which is Richard Bachman, as you probably know, it was the pen name of Stephen King for a number of years. Uh, and Rage is a unique case because he basically banned it himself mm-hmm. uh, after it was connected to a number of school shootings. He just pulled it from publication. Yeah. So not not banned in the sense of it's on the list or, you know, the school board or whoever has uh, denied it. But it's it's in a way self-banned. Yeah. Um, unpublicated or something i think yeah Yeah, i can't remember his stephen king's uh, term for it but uh yeah he he has made the choice to kind of self-censor yeah um which you know as we're talking about the fronts on the arts and stuff earlier right 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 is you know one thing that an artist i think can can do right if if they're not happy with their work or they feel that it is taken the wrong way or has led to something unintended um then and that that's i think the one 
area of not censorship per se, right. But of, of choice of an artist that if they want to remove something that they've put into the world, then I think that it's their right to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone else's yeah. right. So, but it, it is a fairly rare thing, mm-hmm. you know, for example, um, I can't remember if I talked about when we did the episode on a clockwork orange, but, uh, Anthony Burgess, the author of that quite famously didn't like that book. Mm-hmm. He tossed it off in a weekend to make some money. Um, and, you know, was quite annoyed for the rest of his life that that was going to be what he was known for when he thinks you know, most of his other books were better. Yeah. Yet he never took it out of publication. Like he right. never went, you know, this is overshadowing all my other great work. I'm going to pull it. Um, so even when an author doesn't like their own work, they tend to just leave it in print anyway, because they're making some money off of it. Yeah. Or, or even with its flaws and, and uh, you know, the, the dislike of it, it, it is still expressing something that they want out in the yeah. world. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I won't speak to, you know, what Stephen King's motives or, or not were as far as, um, you know, any public pressure or anything like that because of being tied in with school shootings and things. But, um, you know, definitely the impulse to try and make the world a better place by self-censoring or by, by removing something that is not being received in, in the right way or the way that you intended as an artist. Um, you know, I, I think we can respect that. Choice, totally. Totally. Right? Yeah. So that is what we will be talking about next time. Yeah. Well, and thanks everyone for who did drop by and who did listen. Um, yeah. We had a couple of visitors. They're I mean, all gone now. I know but, we, uh, we kept blathering on and really didn't even have time for, for callers, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, when we do, live episode maybe next uh after after the next book maybe we'll uh, we'll try and free up a bit more time for sure and yeah i mean callers. always always feel free to drop by we do these they're through podbean you do need to have the podbean app installed on your phone in order to call in but other um, than that that's all you need other than that that's all, well you need to have a, a headset of some kind or earbuds or something they they say this is the at least this used to be the way it worked but it, they used to say we recommend using headphones. And then when you tried to call in, you just couldn't if you didn't use them. So it's like, that's not really recommending guys. That that is a requirement. Uh, It is a requirement. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you need to have a a, a headphones of some kind or earbuds or, or some um, otherwise you're going to get the audio bleeding into the microphone. Uh, and then just the app, and then you can you can chat with us. Just yeah. not that you should want to, but we're we're okay. We're okay, people. I I think we have a few good thoughts. <laughs> we have here. some good thoughts, and, then, and, and more and, importantly, we would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, and that's the whole thing, right? We we want different perspectives and different takes. Exactly. And, you know, ain't nobody right. Ain't nobody wrong. We're all just right. you know taking our soma and that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got to get to the feelies here, so we're absolutely we're going to sign out. <laughs> All right. I've been Todd Sullivan. I've been Peter Ammon. Until next time, read a fucking book. 